Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about porn stars. Um, Just kidding. Kind of. Not really. We really are going to talk about porn stars, but we're really going to discuss this kind of uncomfortable but persistently pressing question, which is how do Christians justify supporting President Trump knowing what we know about his scandalous past? So should be fun, right? And then at the end, I have a little segment to top it all off. Okay, let's get started. So for those of you who don't know, my name is Allie Stuckey. I am a host at CRTV.com, where I do weekly videos and this podcast. I have a blog called The Conservative Millennial. I speak to colleges and to organizations on the importance of millennial issues and outreach. I am a TV commentator, and I am the host of Relatable, which you are listening to right now. Outside of work, I am a Christian, I'm a millennial, I am a wife, I am a cat person who also has a dog as of recently. Uh, Let's see what else about me. Um, Well, speaking of my pets, let's talk about their names for a second in case you don't know. It's Rachel McAdams, Sweatpants, who was also known as Cat Damon, and then a dog named Nancy Reagan, whom we call Reagan. So I've got Rachel, Sweatpants, and Reagan. I'll totally, totally normal normal pet names. I'm just a totally normal person who just happens to name her pets to human names in one article of clothing. So it's totally, totally fine. Um, Let's see. What else about me? Well, I think it's really important to say, first and foremost, that Chili's chicken fingers are probably the most underrated food on the planet. And that's actually not a fact about me. That's just a fact of life that I felt like you needed to know. Um, What else? I hate crafts. I hate them. Like my kids are going to be getting no help whatsoever from me on their crafts or their math and science homework for that matter. And I will neglect helping them with their homework in the name of encouraging independence. That's fully what I plan to do. And you know what? I'm probably going to do the same thing about like throw up and gross things like that. So we'll just have to see how that parenting strategy goes. Um, What else about me? I have really bad handwriting. I wish I didn't. I don't know what happened there. I'm not an organized person. I love to read, especially fiction. And I get a lot of eye rolls when I say that. But I am telling you that reading fiction makes you a lot smarter than reading nonfiction does. Um, I'm obsessed with war movies and just kind of like sad and depressing movies in general. I am weirdly obsessed with the 80s and 90s have no idea why. I am a born and raised Texan. I went to school in South Carolina. I met my husband in Georgia and we moved back to Texas a year ago. And now here I am delivering your podcast. So without further ado, let us get started. Let us embark on this somewhat dreaded topic that we Christian Trump voters tend to ignore. And that is how do we continue to support President Trump knowing what we know about his past? Should we just say that none of it matters because it was a long time ago? Should it affect our support of him at all? Should we care? So when I speak about his past, I'm sure most of you know this, you know what I'm referring to. But just in case you don't, I'm talking about 
about one, the Stormy Daniels controversy, as well as what we heard during the campaign when the Access Hollywood tape leaked, when he said that he frequently grabbed women by the genitalia, and also about the multiple women who have come forward accusing him of sexual assault of some kind. Um, a little rundown on the first controversy I mentioned. Stormy Daniels, whose real name is Stephanie Clifford, is a porn star who allegedly slept with Trump in 2006 while he was married to Melania. And actually, right after she had given birth to their son, Barron, it recently came out that right before the election, Trump's lawyer created an LLC through which he paid Stormy Daniels $130,000. Uh, she also signed a non-disclosure agreement at this time. She has apparently violated this non-disclosure agreement multiple times by talking about her and Trump's affair. And now they're in this legal battle, which I won't even fully get into because that's besides the point. Um, Trump denies that the affair ever happened, of course, but the whole payout through the LLC and the non-disclosure agreement right before the election don't really help that case very much. I mean, we know for sure that they have at least met before because because there are pictures of them together from around the time of the alleged affair. Uh, in 2011, Stormy Daniels told In Touch magazine about a year-long affair with him back in 2006. But weirdly, we don't really know why the article never ended up being published. Also, a strange thing is, is that in the past few months, she's actually gone back and forth about whether or not it really happened. So we don't know 100% for sure whether or not the affair was real. But even if we don't know for absolute fact, if it happened or not, I don't think any of us, if we are completely honest with ourselves, have a hard time believing that it did. Now, I certainly was not under any impression when I voted for Donald Trump that he was some upstanding monogamous gentleman. We all heard him brag about grabbing women by the P word and basically forcing himself upon them. We all know that he has multiple female accusers who say he sexually assaulted them in some way. Most of them say he grabbed them, kissed them without their consent. We know all of these things. And no, I know what some of you are probably thinking. We don't necessarily know if any of these things or all of these things are true. They could be totally exaggerated or even possibly made up. We don't we don't know for sure. But let's all be real for just a second. Let's kind of step off or step away from partisanship. Would any of us be surprised if they were true? Like if he wasn't president, the president that we voted for more specifically, and we heard all of these things about reality TV star Donald Trump, would any of us be saying, no, these are just allegations. They're not true at all. No, prob probably not. We'd, we'd probably be saying, OK, that that sounds about right because that's kind of what partisanship does to you. Now, I know I probably have some angry or frustrated people out there because most people who voted for Trump hate talking about this kind of stuff. They dodge it endlessly and they bring up two things as a response to this conversation. One, they bring up due process and two, they bring up Bill Clinton. Well, my response to that is number one, this conversation really has nothing to do with due process. We are not in a court of law right now. We are in a court of public opinion. The court of public opinion, unfortunately, is not necessarily innocent until proven guilty. We gather what we know, we put together the facts and we come up with what looks plausible. We're not 
talking about throwing him into jail. We're talking about what is probably true based on what we know. And number two, we will touch on Bill Clinton and other presidential scandals later, but their guilt doesn't detract from Trump's. So that's simply not a sufficient response by itself for Trump's behavior if we are going to talk about this as Christians from an honest position. And bonus, in case you hadn't heard so far, I voted for Donald Trump. So you just can't say that I am some anti-Trumper who wants to see him fail. That's not going to work here because it's just not true. I am trying to have an open conversation from the perspective of a Christian conservative Trump voter by asking the question, how can I justify what Trump has done as a Christian? And the short answer is, I can't and I won't. I'm not going to. I'm not going to justify them. I actually find no reason to have to pretend like sexual immorality isn't bad when Trump does it or that all of a sudden having affairs and groping women isn't that big of a deal or even talking about it is just not that big of a deal. It's just locker room talk. I'm not going to just skim over that. I'm not going to make excuses. If these things are true, the accusations are, are horrible. They're sinful. They're wrong. They're inexcusable. I'm not going to say, well, what about JFK and Bill Clinton just because it makes my guy look better? I'm not going to do that. And I actually say this about a lot of things that Trump says and does. I didn't agree with how he handled Charlottesville. I hated when he defended Rob Porter, a guy who worked in the White House who was plausibly accused of domestic violence. I don't like a lot of his communication on Twitter. I know a lot of you guys probably disagree with me on that. But just because I voted for him doesn't mean I have to agree with everything that he does. And I certainly do not have to condone misbehavior because I want to justify my vote. And we shouldn't. It's actually, in my opinion, very embarrassing for Christians to just ignore or excuse sin to try to make our politics look better. And I certainly don't think that's what we're required to do. Just because you voted for Trump doesn't mean you have to be a Trump apologist. I disagree with Trump's bad behavior and his alleged bad behavior. But for me, the fact of the matter is, in 2016, I had a choice to make. It was Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. And if we want to talk about the morality of the candidates, it's not like Hillary Clinton was or is any more righteous. Her sins are just as bad, but just different than Donald Trump's. Hillary Clinton's are more secret and political rather than public and sexual. Now, a lot of conservatives differ with me on this. They say because both candidates were scumbags, they couldn't vote for either one of them. They wrote someone in or voted for Jill Stein or something like that. And I actually totally respect that choice. And now, probably more than it did pre-election, that makes logical sense to me. But the way I saw it at the time and probably the way I would see it again was that if I voted for anyone other than Trump, I was voting for Hillary Clinton. And I just could not stomach having anything to do with electing someone whose policies would be so opposed to everything I stand for. I mean, how could I have honestly, if she had won, complained about her presidency? How could I have in good conscience gone on TV and talked about how disgusting her policies were if I had something to do with her winning by not voting for Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton was in no way, 
no way a more moral choice than Donald Trump, especially considering the fact that I knew she would be an avid supporter of abortion and Planned Parenthood, which admittedly at this point we still have not defunded. She would be in favor of higher taxes. She'd be anti-gun. She'd be pro-SJW. All of these things that I adamantly stand against. And I knew that at least with Donald Trump, he would be much more likely to surround himself with people who know good conservative policy. I knew he would elect a conservative to the Supreme Court, for example. And on those things, we who voted for him were right. The first year of Trump's presidency has been extremely conservative. The greatest accomplishment probably being tax reform, which saves Americans money. He has re-strengthened our relationship with Israel. ISIS has been completely obliterated. And like I said, he appointed Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court, who is a constitutional originalist. And something I appreciate most about him is that he has gotten rid of this ridiculously sad posture of apology and shame that Obama had when he was president. People who love America lost hope under Obama, that free enterprise, that American exceptionalism, American strength, individual freedom, that these things would ever flourish again. And I think that Trump has brought back a sense of confidence that was sorely missed when Obama was in office. So this is all good. He has done a lot of good things. And I firmly believe that America is much better off right now than it would be if Hillary Clinton were president. And I was pretty darn confident of that fact in 2016 when I voted for him that it would at least be better than if Hillary Clinton were running the show. I knew the country would be more successful, safer, and I knew that Donald Trump, though vastly imperfect, would at least have an administration that would lead us in a better direction than Hillary's would. So for me, the election was not necessarily a morality contest, because if you think about it, if elections are morality contests, we have a huge problem with probably most politicians that we elect. I don't actually think that Donald Trump is any worse of a person than a lot of people who are currently in office on the right and the left. I just think that his celebrity has ousted all of the gross stuff that's in his past. So we know about it. So we made our choice in 2016. And this is the president that we have, flaws and all. We should want him to succeed. We should pray for him, especially that he would truly come to know the Lord if he doesn't already, and that he would repent of sin and that the Lord would use him to advance his kingdom. We should be praying that about any president and any leader. Now, all of this said, we are not done processing this because Sure, maybe we can say it's not the person, it's the policies. We can say that we care what an elected official is going to do for us more than we care about their past sins. Fine. But at some point, we have to say that decency matters, right? Like there has to be a line that we draw that says, okay, if a candidate does this or has done this, I will not vote for him or her. Like at some point, we have to be able to say this person is too bad for me to be able to vote for them. Like if OJ Simpson was running on the Republican ticket, we probably wouldn't say that we would vote for him, right? I hope not, because we have to have some standard of basic decency and morality, even if elections are not, as I said, necessarily a morality contest. 
I ran into my own cognitive dissonance or what I felt like was cognitive dissonance a few months ago during the special Senate election in Alabama. It was Roy Moore versus Doug Jones. Roy Moore, the Republican with lots of experience, albeit some strange experience, but lots of experience. And Doug Jones, the Democrat who is apparently okay with partial birth abortions. So here we had two candidates, one who would vote in a way that I probably would have agreed with in the Senate and one who wouldn't. Roy Moore has, like I said, a weird and also theocratic political past that I won't even get into right now. But on the big things policy-wise, I agreed with him a lot more than I agreed with Doug Jones. But I didn't support him. All of these allegations came out that he was fooling around with minors when he was in his 30s. One woman said he assaulted her in a car. Sean Hannity, who you guys know is super Trump and super conservative, um, he straight up asked him, Roy Moore, on his radio show about pursuing teenagers when he was in his 30s. And Roy Moore's answer was something like, oh, that doesn't sound like something I would do. What? So now later, after that really awkward and unconvincing response, he did vehemently deny the allegations and he tried to make it seem like it was the anti-Trump media tearing him down. But with the nature of the allegations paired with his inability at first to fully deny them, it was really hard for me to believe that these things were untrue. So I was against him. Now, I don't live in Alabama, so it's not like I had to vote for him. But I just mean from an opinion standpoint, what I talked about on Twitter and on my blog. And so the question that I have to ask myself is how could I have been against someone whose policies I probably mostly agree with, but whose morality I oppose when I did not apply that same logic to Donald Trump? Was I just being a giant hypocrite? Was I taking a moral stand against Roy Moore so I could make a claim on righteousness without actually having to be held accountable since I don't live in Alabama and therefore didn't actually have to make the decision? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's not what I was consciously doing. But when I look back, I, I do wonder. And I've I've struggled with this. I don't want to be a hypocrite. The whole election of Roy Moore did make me think about my reasoning behind voting for Donald Trump. I mean, it was easy to get up on my high horse and say what a bad person Roy Moore was or possibly was and how people maybe shouldn't vote for him or should think about not voting for him when I wasn't the one voting. Essentially, I could just point fingers without having to take responsibility. But when it came to actually having to vote for someone in the presidential election in 2016, I did not have the same sense of moral superiority. So again, this question I have to grapple with is, when are policies not enough? When does someone's character become a serious determinant in whom I vote for? And another question is, what character flaws are deal breakers and which ones aren't? Do I prefer that all of my candidates look like and model their lives after Jesus? Of course. But can and should I expect that? No, not necessarily. So at what point do I say, nope, that is just too much? And honestly, I'm sorry to be like a huge disappointment, but I don't have the perfect answers for these things. 
That's because they are fairly subjective questions. For Roy Moore, I guess the the whole minor thing, the whole messing around with little girls or young girls when he was in his 30s was just too much for me. I guess that's where I drew the line. The idea of an older guy assaulting, possibly assaulting a 14-year-old girl if that is, if it's true, I, I just couldn't get past that. And Trump's past, though really bad, is unfortunately pretty typical of the whole celebrity billionaire lifestyle of being aggressive with women. Plus, I think that touching young teenagers probably means you have psychological issues too, whereas Trump's behavior might just have meant that he was a jerk. And again, I'm not okay with it, but if I'm kind of forced to draw distinctions, I guess that where that is where it lies for me. And his relationship with Stormy Daniels, though, again, if it's true, is wrong, I don't think should be used to determine his fitness to be president. Sadly, very sadly, lots of men and women cheat on their spouses. And if sexual purity were our standard for whom we vote for, we would literally probably never vote again. And Look, I'm going to admit, and I'm sorry if this makes some of y'all mad, but I'm just being honest. There have been times when I have wondered if I made the right decision about Trump. I mean, there was Charlottesville. There are certain tweets that he puts out, his growing list of allegations that have all been made about him and toward him have all made me kind of question this sometimes. But also, it's very hard for me to see how well the country is doing and honestly say that I'm not glad that I voted for him. People are very likely going to have more money, more opportunities, safer communities, and generally more confidence because Trump won a lot more than if he lost. A conservative agenda is generally being pushed forward. So it's hard for me to say that the good doesn't outweigh the bad. And if the next three years are anything like the first, like, for example, if we defund Planned Parenthood, forget about it. How, how could I even think of not voting for him again? Things like the future of unborn babies, something I care deeply about, make affairs with porn stars in 2006 seem really trite. It doesn't make the affair OK, but it does make it seem a lot less significant and of course, yes, we have had presidents throughout our history, Clinton, JFK, for example, who have done bad things while in office and have still managed to leave a pretty impressive legacy. So as you can see, I mean, it's kind of complicated. I don't think as Christians, we should ignore morality, but also as Christians, we recognize the fallen nature of every single person and realize when we elect an official, we're not electing a savior. We're electing a human being with very real flaws. So essentially, I think that we have to take it case by case. And even though typically I'm a pretty black and white person, I don't actually think this is black and white. I don't blame people who did vote for Roy Moore. I also don't blame people who didn't vote for Trump. I mean, I voted for Trump, though, and 99% of the time, I am really happy that I did. That doesn't mean I don't disagree with him. That doesn't mean I can't call him out when he does something wrong. And it doesn't mean I have to pretend like he's some saint. All I can do is be honest with myself, as honest as possible, knowing how easy it is to slip into hypocrisy in this and to continue to employ wisdom as I am making these kind of political decisions. So 
Now that I've talked through that with you guys, I think it's important to also point out the two ways Donald Trump's behavior is being deceitfully talked about on the right and on the left. So just a few seconds ago, I mentioned two things. One, calling Trump out when he's wrong. And two, being honest with yourself. Unfortunately, we've got people on both sides of the aisle who seem completely incapable of doing these two things. So you have the Christians on the right who have somehow, somehow gotten the idea that it is better that they become apologists for Trump rather than preach the gospel. So they neither call out Trump nor are they honest with themselves. And then you have the people on the left who, while they definitely call out Trump, are not honest with themselves. So let's start with the people, Christians specifically on the right, since I can only speak to what Christians should believe, who refuse to call out Trump when he is wrong or admit the fact that, hey, having an affair was wrong. Even if we agree that he can still be a good president, even if we think the left is hypocritical by harping on this story, can't we just admit that something like that is gross Can't we just acknowledge that it is morally wrong? Can't we just admit that he's not perfect? I do not understand the Christians on the right, including some pastors who insist that President Trump is some godly man that's being persecuted and who is walking with the Lord and is doing his best. Now, I'm not saying that President Trump is not a Christian. I'm not saying that he's not saved. Now, he might be in the early stages of his sanctification, but I am certainly not going to bet any money on the fact that he's not a Christian. I'm not going to gamble on that. But there are Christians who all of the sudden are completely gracious and completely apathetic towards Trump's sexcapades, but would have literally lost their minds if Obama had had the same accusations against him. How do I know? Because these are the same people causing a ruckus about what Bill Clinton did during and before his presidency. These are the Christians who call out Hollywood for sexual misconduct. But when it comes to Trump, they're like, well, it was 12 years ago. Who cares? No, 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 no. I I don't get that. Again, just because you voted for him doesn't mean you have to lie to yourself and to other people. So you voted for someone who's imperfect. Own it. Struggle with it if you need to. I have. Don't cover it up and justify it. That is exhausting and it's immoral. Now, for the people on the left and in the media who are so unbelievably obsessed with the Stormy Daniels story and with the president's sex life, my question to you is, since when do you care about sexual ethics? Since when do you guys care about victims being hurt? Hillary Clinton silenced her husband's convictors. I didn't hear you bring that up during the election. Bill was actively involved in the campaign, and it was said that he would be involved in the presidency. Where was the uproar then? Now, let me be clear about this. This is not an attempt at whataboutism. I'm pretty sure we've already thoroughly addressed our own side. This is pointing out the ridiculous, absurd hypocrisy that is coming from people who have never cared about fidelity or sexual purity until it involved the president. And now Hollywood, the media and the left, the constant promulgators of moral relativism and sexual promiscuity are suddenly worried about character when it comes to someone's sex life. Fascinating. I mean, that's that's really, really amazing. 
Now, I'm not saying that there should be no reporting on this. I mean, it is news and it's interesting. But is it the most relevant piece of news out there? Is it going to affect people's lives? No. And for anyone who condones sexual immorality, promiscuity, and infidelity by promoting moral relativism, as the mainstream media does, to then turn around and say that Trump isn't fit for office because of his decade-ago rendezvous is a little bit absurd. Okay, that felt really long, but it actually wasn't that long. It was only like 28 minutes. I think we covered that from a lot of angles. I'm sure there's a lot more to say, but I think that we did a pretty good job. But I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts. I know this is kind of a hotly contested issue, and there are probably lots of ways to think about this. Um, so feel free to send me your thoughts and send me your questions. Allie, A-L-L-I-E, at theconservativemillennialblog.com. Longest email ever. That's Allie at theconservativemillennialblog.com. Um, I did plan to answer a question that I got in an email at the end of this, but really I decided that because it's such a good question, it was about Christianity and socialism and welfare. I really think that I should dedicate like an entire podcast to that. So instead of ending the podcast with that, I'm going to end it with something else. And this is a segment that I made up called Things I Don't Get. And really it's just an opportunity for me to rant about something that I don't understand. Um, If you follow me on Instagram and you watch my stories, you know that there are a lot of things that I don't get that people do. Like for example, wearing flip-flops to the airport or in the airport, if you're not TSA pre-check, I don't get it. People who don't like ranch dressing, I don't get it. Like these are not things that I'm judging you for necessarily, but I literally just don't understand the thinking behind it. So things I don't get. Today, the thing I just don't get is lifestyle bloggers. Now, listen, 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 listen. I love following these things. I could literally scroll through their Instagram feeds for days and just be like reduced to a pile, a puddle of inadequacy. But what I'm saying is I don't understand how they happen, how these people do them. Like, first of all, it seems like their entire lives are in order. They're refrigerators, like what? Like all of their different flavors of LaCroix, like perfectly organized, their closets, their rooms, their kids, like even just style bloggers who really started a blog just about fashion seem to also have these amazingly cute homes that are decorated perfectly and their food always looks good and their cocktails are always pretty. And like, I just don't get it because I honestly think even if I tried my absolute hardest to make my life look pretty and perfect. Like I I could not do it. I mean, first and foremost, I hate pictures of myself and I never look good candid ever. Even when I'm trying to smile, it doesn't look that good. So like not knowing that someone is taking a picture of me or trying to look like it. No. Secondly, I hate brushing my hair and wearing makeup. I hate it. And that kind of seems like it's part of the job description for these things. So I don't think that that part would work out. Thirdly, I don't know who would take my pictures. Like, that's one of my biggest questions is like, where, who, what, how are these amazingly beautiful and well lit photos taken? And how have I never seen one of these photo shoots in action? Fourthly, I think I'm at number four. I don't really remember. How do you have time? 
to alphabetize your pantry while also taking 672.57 Instagram stories per day. How? And lastly, all of these people seem to be so incredibly like normal, which is definitely why I couldn't do it. Like Even their pictures that are like, LOL, I'm so weird, is really just them perfectly made up, like sticking their tongue out or something. And I'm like, girl, you are not weird. You've probably never said or done anything weird in your whole life. And I personally just cannot relate to any of that at all. Um, So anyway, again, I love lifestyle blogs and I genuinely am so freaking impressed by their lives. So if you have a lifestyle blog, I'm not throwing shade. I'm saying I wish I was like you. Like if you could see what I look like right now, oh, you would probably want to help me, which is fine. Like if you want to reach out to me, if you're a lifestyle blogger, you want to reach out to me and teach me how to have your lifestyle, please do. I would love your help. I just don't have a clue as to how your life is accomplished and I will never be on your level. So my apologies, but you will forever. And this is to all of you. You will forever be subjected to pictures of my cats, to fried eggs, which I eat like every day and bacon and me looking like a hot mess. Or if you're lucky making um, a really unattractive face while talking on television, which apparently I tend to do like every time I talk on television. Okay. I think that we're done here. I think that this is enough. Um, thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it. Please uh, leave me a review. If you liked this, if you didn't like this, please don't leave me a review. I mean, email me. I would rather you not leave me a review unless you really liked it. Unless you're going to give me five stars, I would rather you not leave me a review. But of course, it's a free country. Do whichever you want to. But if you liked it, please leave me a five-star review and share it with your friends and make sure that other people listen to this too. Email me your thoughts. Um, most importantly, find me on crtv.com slash Allie. You can use promo code Allie for a discount on a subscription. Because it's not just me that's on CRTV. It's like Michelle Malkin, Stephen Crowder, Mark Levin, Romy Millennial, like all of these awesome people. So if you don't like me at all, totally understandable, but still subscribe to CRTV because they've got some good people. Uh, you can read all of my blogs on my website, theconservativemillennialblog.com. You can follow me on Facebook at The Conservative Millennial and then Twitter and Instagram too, where you can just search Allie Stuckey and I should be there somewhere. I don't remember my handles, but just search Allie Stuckey. I should be there. Okay, until next week. Love y'all. Bye.